Well, good evening. It's good to worship our Lord with you tonight. We've been going through a series on emotions called All the Feels, and tonight we are going to be studying loneliness. You know, I find loneliness to be a hard topic. And I think part of why it's hard is because if you're lonely, it's really hard to talk about it. I don't know many people who would openly admit that they are lonely, and when they do, it almost seems as if there is a sense of shame surrounding them. It's a very personal subject, but in spite of our reluctance to talk about it, there are many people who would call themselves lonely. According to a national survey in 2021, close to 60% of the surveyed adults are considered to be lonely in one form or another. 60%. You will find lonely people in all age ranges and categories. It doesn't seem to matter if you are rich or poor or old or young or in good health or bad health or working or not or in a relationship or not. It doesn't matter if you have lots of friends or no friends. Anybody can be lonely. And I have to say, I would venture to guess that Many of you have struggled with loneliness at one point or another in your lives. And some of you are lonely right now. You put on a mask to hide your pain. We have young single people who put on brave fronts and have fun with friends, but in the quietness of their hearts, they feel empty as they make dinner by themselves again. They long for marriage. We have widows or widowers who had many joyful years with their spouses. But now they're gone. And the house is quiet. And the kids aren't around much. And they're lonely. We have husbands or wives who have lives full of activities and kids and work and church and grace groups. And yet, as they lay in bed... In the quietness of the night, they're lonely. We have children who are lonely as they miss their dad or mom who are consumed with work or social media or entertainment or friends. And some of you even now are wearing a mask that hides your loneliness as you sit here in a crowd of people. You know, loneliness at times almost feels alive, doesn't it? It could sneak up behind you and put its cold hand on your shoulder. Or it can punch you in the gut. Or it might smother you in a blanket or put a knife in your back. Maybe you feel it as a pain in your chest or a dull, constant weight. What I find is that loneliness hurts. One person said that loneliness, if it was a color would have to be a dark, gray, slimy color because that's what it feels like when it hits you right in the stomach with a horrible, gut-wrenching feeling. You know, we all experience loneliness in many different ways, in different times, and to different degrees. But regardless of how you feel loneliness, one of the worst things about it is that it feels alone and isolating and hopeless. But friends... It does not have to be that way. Loneliness can have a purpose. 
and your loneliness if you are in Christ is not forever. And so what I want to show you tonight is that when you are lonely, you are not alone. Christ really can be your satisfaction in your loneliness. I'm going to pull a little bit of a Doug Bookland tonight. We're going to go slightly over time, but I just ask you all to bear with me. Let's pray as we ask the Lord for help. Father, we come before you, and I, I do beg for your help. Lord, would you please be near to us tonight? Would you let us understand the closeness of your presence and the satisfaction that you offer that does fill the needs that we have? Lord, so often we struggle to believe that, so tonight would you help us to believe that you are enough, even in our loneliness. In your name we pray, amen. Well, let's look at our first point and see how we can define loneliness. We can start with the world's definition of loneliness. The American Psychological Association says loneliness is defined by a person's perceived level of social isolation or people's levels of satisfaction with their connectedness. They go on to say that loneliness can occur when people are surrounded by others on the subway, in a classroom, or even with their spouses and children. They only get partial credit for that answer. The world perceives the solution to loneliness as satisfaction in your relationships with people. We'll talk more about it tonight, but to expect people to meet all your needs is an impossible standard, friends, and you will be let down if that's what you think. Other people can never bear your burdens like you want them to. The world does not know God. They refuse to recognize him as creator, and they will not bow to him as their king. Therefore, they do not know that the only true way to satisfy loneliness is to know God. Worldly definitions can get it partially right. They can understand that there's a problem, but they miss the point. And they certainly do not have a solution. So as we think about a biblical definition of loneliness... Um, we, I think the easiest way to define it is to first understand that God created us for relationships with himself first and then with each other. We have been made in God's image, friends, and as a Trinitarian God, he has an infinitely deep and perfect, satisfyingly uh, wonderful relationship with the, within the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he created us to have that. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Friends, we have been created in the image of God. And there's a reason for that. It is so that we can know God in a personal, relational way. There is no other created being that can have that on God's earth. 
We alone have been uniquely created for relationships, both with God and with people. Genesis 2.18, God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And in John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And then he goes on to say, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we can see that God designed us for relationships with himself and relationships in marriage and relationships with each other as the body of Christ, as we love each other like Christ loves us. And in the garden before sin, Adam and Eve had that. They had a perfect and deep and satisfying relationship with each other and with God. There was no loneliness in the garden. And in heaven, there will be no loneliness either. Believers will be gathered together as Christ's body in perfect relationship with each other and with God. But right now, well, right now we live in a broken world. We live in a world that is cursed by sin and bodies corrupted by sin. And because of that, we experience loneliness. So here's how I'm going to define loneliness in a biblical fashion tonight. Loneliness happens when we do not have relationships with God or others, or we are not experiencing those relationships as God intended them to be. So when we have a real or a perceived lack of relationship with God or other people, we feel isolated and we have this emotion of loneliness. I want to be careful here, but I don't think that loneliness by itself is a sin. Because loneliness is a recognition of the absence or the hindrance of God's created intent for relationships. And in God's design, we all experience a profound desire to throw ourselves into the care and love and security of someone who is perfectly reliable and strong. That's how we were created. We want so badly to have someone to share our burdens with or to lift them off of our backs. We cry out to God to be near to us. We look for people to be with us. And as we do different things, whether that's work or ministry or just life, we long to share what we do with somebody. Most of us have a deep desire for a spouse to share life with. We long for close relationships. We yearn for someone to rejoice with us when we're happy and mourn with us when we're sad. We want someone to know us so well that we don't have to explain anything for them to know our heart. We want someone to love us unconditionally. We are starving for a vibrant and intimate relationship with God, both in a salvific way if you're not saved, friend, and in a, a relational way if you are saved. 
You see, we have a hole in our heart, and it's desperate to be filled with a relationship. And this is why I do not believe that loneliness by itself is a sin. Loneliness is a recognition of our need for a relationship with God and people as he intended in creation before sin. We need and crave a relationship with someone who is more than capable of handling our burdens, who loves us unconditionally, who holds us in their arms and shelters us in safety. We were created with this desire. And the only one who can fill this longing of ours is Jesus. And John 10, 27, 28 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Friend, do you hear the strength and the love and the care that Jesus gives to you? If you are saved, he holds you close to his chest, in his hands. Even if you've slipped under the water like Peter on the lake when he took his eyes off of Christ, even if you feel like you're drowning and you have let go of his hand, he has not let go of your hand. There is nothing that can pull you away from him. And if you feel alone, if you feel abandoned, if you are despairing in loneliness, you can rest in his promise in John 14, 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And as Jesus speaks to the disciples there, so he speaks to us. He knows your thoughts. He knows your feelings. And he says, I'm coming for you. You will not be alone forever, friend. You will have Jesus forever. And in that forever presence of Jesus, you will find infinite and bottomless joy and pleasure. You will say with the psalmist in Psalm 16, 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You will believe that in the core of your soul. So believer, even in the depths of your loneliness, you have an all-sufficient provider. Philippians 4.19 is your reality. It says, my God will supply every need of yours in his, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So that's what we're going to see tonight. The true solution to your loneliness, regardless of what your feelings are telling you, is Jesus. You can rest in Jesus. No one else can live up to those needs that he created in you. And when you do not have Jesus as your Savior or you do not recognize his warm and tender nearness to you, well, then you ache with loneliness. Rising and falling tides of loneliness threaten to drown you as you're filled with a desire for a closeness of relationship that you don't have or that you don't think you have. So let's look at our next point and see what the problem is with loneliness. We can look at the world's perspective first. I really don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do think it's fair to say that the world sees loneliness as a very real problem. According to a meta-analysis study performed by a professor of psychology and neuroscience at Brigham Young University, they found that a lack of social connection heightens health risks as much as smoking 15 cigarettes a day 
or having an alcohol use disorder. This professor, her name is Julianne Holt-Lundstad, also found that loneliness and social isolation are twice as harmful to physical and mental health as obesity. In short, they say there is robust evidence that social isolation and loneliness significantly increase the risk for premature mortality, and the magnitude of the risk exceeds that of many leading health indicators. In summary, being connected to others socially is widely considered a fundamental human need, crucial to both well-being and survival. So... The world recognizes loneliness is a health problem and a social problem. And as far as I can tell, it seems like they say that loneliness can be caused by isolation or mental health issues or any social change. It doesn't really matter who you are, you can still be lonely. But as I'm doing that research over the last week, I don't think they really know why people are lonely. And it makes sense to me because they don't look at loneliness as a biblical issue. They don't recognize that we are formed by a creator who made us to be in relationship with him. And because of that, we see the world floundering as they try to understand the source of loneliness. They get that it's a problem, but they don't know how to fix it. So let's look at our next point and let the Bible be our physician and describe our problems with loneliness. So from a biblical perspective, the problem of loneliness is not a lack of social connections or mental health issues or whatever else the world might say it is. The big picture problem is that we respond sinfully to loneliness if you don't know God or if you are dissatisfied with his providence. So first, maybe you are sinning against God in your loneliness if you are not saved. Will you consider for a moment that the reason that you may be lonely is because you don't have the most important relationship that you were created for? You were created for a relationship with God, but you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and you have not turned to him in repentance and begged him for salvation. If that is you, friend, if you walk in sin and are not saved and wonder why you're lonely, then listen to Isaiah 59. God will tell you why you're lonely. Verses 1 to 3 say, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue mutters wickedness. Verses 7 to 9 say their feet run to evil. They are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. The way of peace they do not know, and there is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. No one treads on them knows peace. Therefore, justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, and behold, darkness, and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. 
friend, if you do not know Christ as your risen Lord and Savior and you don't follow him, you are separated from him in your sin. Your sin has hidden his face from your eyes. You may hope for light. You may hope for relief from the burden of your loneliness, but you will only find darkness. And no matter what you do, no matter who you seek to fill your loneliness, you walk in gloom. If that's you, if you're lonely because you don't have the Spirit of Christ, Listen to Ephesians 12. It describes your condition. You are separated from him. You are alienated from God and his blessings. You don't have hope because you are without God. But friend, it does not have to be that way. You can still come to Jesus. He says in John 6, 37, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. When you understand that God is holy and that he created you and you've broken God's law and sinned against him and because of that you deserve death and eternal judgment in hell. When you recognize that and you know that Christ came to earth as both God and sinless man and that he showed God's love by dying on the cross to pay the penalty of sin and that he rose from the grave and he is alive today. When you recognize that, you must repent of your sin against God and believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And when you do that, when you come to Jesus like that, he will never cast you out. Friend, you can have the sweet satisfaction of eternal relationship with God that you were created for. And one day, in your divinely created desires for relationships, you will find that they are delighted in contentment as you see his face and you dwell with his body. But you have to come to him first. Will you do that? Friend, if you have questions about salvation, I would love to talk with you. Come find me or send me an email. I'll get lunch with you because I want you to have the hope and the satisfaction in Christ that I have. Let's look at the next reason we sin in our loneliness. We respond sinfully to loneliness when we are not satisfied with the providence of God. So as best as I can tell, this is the root cause of our sinful response to God and loneliness. There are many, many manifestations of sin, but I think all of them can be traced back to this. And here's the reality. We don't like feeling lonely, do we? We have this feeling and we want to escape it. We almost have a fight or flight response. Now, maybe at first as believers, we respond well when we feel lonely. We run to Christ. We cry out with our voice to the Lord. We plead with him for mercy. We trust in him. But as time stretches on and the trial remains fierce, it can feel like God is far away. God's always near to us, we know that, but in our feelings, it's like God has left us. We think with Job in chapter 23, verses 8 and 9, Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he's working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, and I don't see him. 
We cry out like David in Psalm 25, 16, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. But it feels like he doesn't respond. And our prayers become Psalm 13, 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And as the hours or days or weeks or months stretch on, and it feels like we are met with silence, we find that we are less and less satisfied with God. That feels blasphemous to say, doesn't it? But here's why I say that. I've noticed in my life, when God does not meet my loneliness on my timetable with the help that I want, I am tempted to take my eyes off of God and look somewhere else to get that help. And at its core, that is dissatisfaction with God's providence. God is not meeting my felt needs, what I think I need to stop being lonely. And when I take those desires and I raise them over my desire for God, I sin. I think it's important to pause and remember it's not sin to pray and bring your desires to God. You know, God did create us for relationships, and if you are lonely, it's okay to pray and ask God to bring a godly friend into your life. If you're single, it's okay to ask and pray that God would prepare a spouse for you. If you're serving the Lord by yourself and you feel the lonely burden of your service for Him, it's okay to pray for a co-laborer. If your marriage is lonely, it's okay to pray that God would save your spouse or draw you together in Christ. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The Psalms are full of people boldly giving God their troubles. Jesus himself begged the Father to take the cup from him. It's okay to pray like that. So long as we do not elevate our own will above God's will. Because when we do that, we sin. We want to define what our good is. We want to dictate the circumstances of our lives. And so we try to take matters in our own hands like Abraham tried to produce an heir in his own strength. Or we try to run from God's providence like Jonah ran from Nineveh. Or we complain. We look at what everyone else has and we're full of bitterness or anger or covetousness or jealousy. Or maybe we despair and we turn our backs on God and we sit in silence and depression and suffering. When we're acting or thinking in these ways, when we are not trusting God and being satisfied in his providence, friends, we forget our place. Nebuchadnezzar, after he exalted himself above God and was punished for it, said in Daniel 4.35, All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? A pagan king in a foreign country learned this. Maybe we need to learn this as well. Our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. He is the creator and we are the creation. We don't get to tell God what to do or question his will. He's the potter. 
We're just clay. And when we forget that, we exalt ourselves above God and we're not satisfied with Him alone in our loneliness and we are not satisfied with all of the good things and the blessings that He has done for us. We can't see His person or His blessings anymore. It's just like we're zoomed in. All we can see is our lack. And friends, that's not okay. There are many ways that we are dissatisfied with God's providence and our loneliness, but maybe we can change the way that we look at this. In Philippians 3.8, Paul says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So let me ask you, in your loneliness, are you willing to take your eyes off of what you lack? And determine in your heart to know Christ. Not just know about him. But to know him. When you feel the pain of loneliness, are you willing to seek Jesus with such passion and desire that everything else by comparison becomes worthless? Will you do that? Because when we love Jesus like that, with all of our hearts and mind and soul and strength, we will find that we are satisfied in him. Even if the emotion of loneliness does not go away, even if you never get that friend or spouse, you will love to draw near to him. And you will feel the joy of him drawing near to you. And then we get to experience the best thing, we have a sweet communion of a profoundly meaningful relationship with our Creator. Don't you want that? Is that the kind of relationship you have with Jesus right now? In the depth of your emptiness and your need and your want, as you feel powerfully lonely, are you just as powerfully satisfied in Christ? Let's think about how to do that in our last main point. I'm pursuing Christ in the valley of loneliness. So how do we become powerfully and joyfully satisfied in Christ, even in our loneliness? Well, first, I think it's helpful to understand the purpose of loneliness. We need to think rightly about this. Loneliness is an emotion, yes. And yes, our hearts are desperately wicked. But God created this emotion. And it can serve a good purpose in your life. We can look at loneliness as an opportunity to draw close to Jesus. You know, cars have low fuel signs on their dashboards. They light up and they let you know when it's time to stop and fill up the tank. And like that, loneliness can be the sign that it's time to stop and fill up your soul with Jesus. When we feel the brokenness of the world and we're filled with loneliness and we long to throw ourselves into the care and love and security of someone who is perfectly reliable and strong, we can rejoice because we have that person in Christ. Think about David in the Psalms. His life was full of the sin and the brokenness of the world. He was frequently isolated and lonely. And as we read the Psalms, what we find is a man who takes these very real and present troubles and emotions that he experiences, and he takes them to God. 
And as he takes them to God, he works himself through truth about God and he fixes himself on God until he's worshiping him. A good example of that is Psalm 16. I just want to read it quickly for you. And as I read it, just listen to how David draws near to God in the midst of his distress. Starting in verse 1, David says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the nights also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And friend, we can learn from David how to draw near to God in our loneliness. Bad things were happening to David. He cried out to God to preserve him. But he did not dwell on what he lacked. Because everything that he lacked could be filled with God. And here's how David drew near to God. First, he controlled his thoughts. He refused to let himself spiral out of control. Second, he did not look to other gods or the things of the world because he knew that would not satisfy him. Instead, he meditates on truth about God. He remembered that God himself was his portion. He had God. What other needs could he possibly have? God was his inheritance. And the Lord was beautiful in his eyes. And so he fixes his mind on what he has in God. He finds his security in God. He remembers the care and the love that God has shown him. And before long, the fear and the brokenness that caused him to draw near to God turned into worship. Even though his circumstances are unchanged, David is able to cry out with a satisfied heart, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And friend, when we use our loneliness as an opportunity to draw near to God like David, we too can be satisfied and joyful. Even if our loneliness remains. Just imagine the possibilities Think about how your life can change if you leverage your loneliness like that. Use it as an opportunity to turn to God. Let's look at our next point and see how we can lean into the refining fire of loneliness with hope. This is so encouraging to me because Jesus wants us to become men and women who don't just know about him but who actually know him. 
He wants us to have a deep and meaningful relationship with him. But so often, the route to knowing God passes through the valley of profound loneliness. It is in these times where there is no one but God that we learn to know him most fully. Those times, those moments of utter aloneness only come when we pour ourselves out like a drink offering to God. When we present our bodies as a living sacrifice by the mercies of God and say, I will do whatever you want, not my will, but your will. And when we do that, God will accept our sacrifice and pour out our lives for his glory. And in those moments as we are being poured out, our souls will feel most alone. Our deepest longing will be to abandon ourselves to someone perfectly reliable and strong. We will feel profound loneliness. And in that moment, if we steadfastly refuse to compromise our commitment to Christ, if we refuse to respond in sin, then that loneliness will not go away. It will intensify. And in those moments when the loneliness is greatest, we must turn in desperate dependency to God. We must entrust ourselves so completely to him that our destruction is certain if he does not respond. And then, just as the kindness and love of God appeared to save us, so he will draw near to be with us. And in our utter dependency, we will come to know more of him. And then we will grow in godly character. And then in the darkest part of the night, his glory will burst through. And because we have sought for love nowhere else, we will feel his love most deeply. It is when we are at our weakest that we will find God most near to us. So Christian... Be brave, be steadfast, and lean into the refining fire of loneliness. Don't try to escape it. Push through it in desperate dependency to Christ. And as you do that, you will discover that your Savior is gentle and lowly. The burden that you cannot bear will be borne by him as you take his yoke on yourself. And as you learn from him, you will find rest for your soul. Let's look at our next point as we consider who our gentle and lowly Savior is. Remember that he has experienced deeper loneliness than we ever have. And this one gets me. So often in our loneliness, we are tempted to throw a pity party and say, no one understands. No one knows the burdens that I carry. We can get so single-mindedly focused on ourselves that we forget that Jesus experienced a loneliness that we don't even have words for. Remember his time in Gethsemane. He was willing to die for us. He wanted to save us. But the burden that only he could carry was so great that in the night, in the quiet Away from others, we find him praying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. And in the pressure that he's under and the aloneness that he is enduring, he is sweating great drops of blood from his skin. 
What loneliness he must have endured to feel like that. And yet that was not the pinnacle. He was still able to commune with his father, but then he was hung on the cross and God separated himself from Jesus and turned his back and emptied the mountain of his fury against our sin on him. And in that moment, with gasping breaths, his cracked lips part and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even in his love for you, his desire to die for you, his delights in obeying his father's will, he could not hold back the agony of true loneliness and separation from God. And friends, our perspective on this matters so much. We should not dare to say that no one understands our loneliness because Jesus knows a far deeper loneliness than you have ever endured. And because he loves you so much, he died for you so that you don't ever have to feel like that. So believer, in your loneliness, choose to be thankful that you will never be separated from God. Choose to draw near to the one who knows your feelings, who has felt your feelings and is bigger than them, and take joy in knowing that his nail-scarred hands hold your soul. We have such a good and amazing God. And finally, have hope in knowing that Jesus will cure your loneliness. Believer, your loneliness may not go away while you are on this earth, but you will not feel lonely forever. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That is our hope. Right now, Jesus is making a place in heaven for you. He knows the reality you feel in your sinful flesh. He knows the struggles and the torment that you endure. But you will not always feel this way, Christian. One day, your loneliness is going to be satisfied. One day, you will step into heaven and you will see Jesus' face. You will touch his hands. You will feel his hug and hear his voice, and you will be made new. He will wipe away your tears, and you will be perfectly satisfied in him. No more sorrow or pain or loneliness ever again. We will have perfect relationships with him and with each other. So have hope, Christian, and look forward to the day when our journey is over, where we find our hope in heaven's reward, and we have our Messiah forever as we dwell in his house. What a day that will be. This is our God. He knows our weaknesses. He knows the brokenness of the world. He knows that you do not experience the fullness of the relationships that you were created for. And he made a way through the death of his son so that you can have that fixed you will have the relationship with him that your soul most deeply craves. You will feel the full relational experience that you were created for. He knows loneliness. 
far better than we do. He knows the pain that you feel, and he is enough to take away the pain. He is bigger than your feelings, and you can trust him with them. And know that you will not always be lonely if you are in Christ. He will take you home to be with him one day. So like David, we can worship God in our need because he is enough. Believer, will you do that? Will you purpose to push through your loneliness to God so you can know him and worship him? Because in your emptiness, you will find true satisfaction in him. Have hope, believer, because he's worth it. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and I just ask that you would do the work that you want. And draw near to us, please, Father. Would you help us to bow our knees and remember our place and find joy in knowing that even though we are beneath you, you care for us so much. Would you please drive us into your word, cause us to cry out in prayer to you, and discover that you really are enough. And as we find that you are enough, and as the worship erupts from our lips, would you help us to be lights of joy in this world that say, my God is enough? You can do that for your sake because you deserve worship. Would you please do it? In your name we pray, amen. You are dismissed.